Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. This morning, we're going to open up the scripture and we're going to start a new series on the kingdom of God. And so we're going to look together here in the Word of God. We'll get over into the book of Mark, and you can scroll over there if you like to for here just a few minutes. Uh, and Mark chapter 1 is where we're going to start out, and, uh, and we're in this series. And this is something which has permeated throughout the, uh, the New Testament writings. We find it uh, throughout Scripture, and sometimes you'll read phrases like the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Some writers choose to say kingdom of heaven because the name God was so holy they didn't always use that, and they would say uh, use heaven as a, as a, a euphemism to replace uh, God, but they, they, they mean the same thing. Now, uh, one great scholar, D.A. Carson, uh, he, he explains that the idea of the kingdom is mainly dynamic. It is something that is dynamic instead of an actual place in the Old or New Testaments. And so we have to keep this in our minds to be able to wrap our minds about what God is saying and what he's doing. And you know, we live in a world that loves kingdoms, right? I, I see a lot of red out there. For a minute, I thought it was Christmas. When I come in, I didn't, I didn't know what was happening. And maybe, maybe some of you are celebrating the chief's kingdom today and, uh, and so, but, but not everyone likes uh, the rule and reign of another kingdom, right? So, uh, and so we know that. And for you that are 49ers fans, uh, you, you may not celebrate the Chiefs. Uh, but, but now, I like the 49ers. They're, they're good. We have, in fact, uh, uh, Taylor and I, we were talking earlier and said, uh, in my last church, we had a, a family that had a, a, a nephew who played for the 49ers, and that was cool. They would tell us about it and stuff. But, but, but anyhow, so the uh, 49ers, they're, they're a good team as well, but they're not the Chiefs. Uh, uh, so, uh, so, but... You know, there, there are simple kingdoms. These, these really are simple kingdoms without eternal value, which shouldn't, which shouldn't affect our well-being. Win or lose, right, it shouldn't affect our well-being. And let's talk about the kingdom which really matters, which is eternal, which goes beyond any other kingdom on this earth. And, and Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God quite a bit. And he, he seemed to have to make uh, a lot of corrections for people's view about it over and over. He did this quite a bit. And, uh, and so uh, it's something that too many times people love to jump on this idea of the kingdom. And it, it seems like the first thing they, they want for themselves is personal power or influence. And uh, it's not any different today. And that's kind of the way it was in Jesus' day. And, and it's not much different for us in this world. But even today, people want to want a position of leadership or influence because of the perks they see. Sometimes they say, hey, I, I see the perks that are happening there. So I want to I be part of that. So they may think, well, 
uh, that guy gets uh, all this extra stock or money at this position, right? And so, so they, uh, they decide that uh, they want to put their, their name in the pot, right? They want to put their application in. And, or they may see the accolades people give this woman who serves in a strong position of leadership and, and everything. Or, or, or then there's others uh, that see uh, how one of those leaders can tell everyone what to do. And they love that part, right? Because they're bossy, right? They want, they want to be able to, be, or they want to be the boss, right? And, and so what they're seeing is the benefits or the perceived benefits. But they aren't seeing the responsibilities or the long hours or even the pains that come with it. Uh, and that's where for us as followers of Jesus, we have to kind of shift gears and uh, pay attention to what Jesus is teaching us. Because he's teaching us some very important things. It's one thing to have power and influence, but it's another thing for it to be all about you as an individual or all about me. And just, we just can't roll that way. And this, was, this was, was a problem Jesus corrected over and over with his disciples. He combated it among many religious people of his day. It, it was a challenge. And some of, some of them actually stood corrected. They, they actually humbled themselves, changing the way they lived. And then you have others who ended up standing defiant. They decided they, they wanted, to go, wanted it to go their own way, and they wanted the power for their own purpose and their own prestige. But God has called his people to use whatever power authority he's given us to use for his glory and also to help others around us. So God has given us those things with a purpose, with a reason. And too many times people get, get this all mixed up. And no wonder Jesus said this towards the beginning of his ministry. Let's look together here in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Uh, and this is, you know, he, he's, things are getting started, right? Uh, we, we see uh, here, it's talk about speaking about John the Baptist first. It says, after John was put in prison, Jesus... Excuse me, sorry. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And so really the words he says, and maybe we don't think about it this way, but really those words were explosive and powerful words uh, that J to Jesus' audience. And Jesus is li likely he's had all different kinds of disciples. He's had all kinds of different people around him, and, and, uh, and all kinds of different people are listening to him and the crowds, and the truth is, he's had all kinds of people that he's trained. And uh, some have had some hyper views, like the zealots among him, among his uh, guys, and uh, they were ready for a coup d'etat. They were ready to go in and take things over for themselves. And then you have the blue-collar fishermen with the get-her-done mentality. And you see Peter and Andrew, his brother. You see these guys like that. And, and, so, uh, but, and then you have some white-collar business guys who like compromise because they could pick up some taxes uh, for the Romans and they could put as much as they could in their pockets. But, but, but once they met Jesus, they came face-to-face -face with the kingdom of God. They came face to face with the kingdom of God, and it did something in their lives. It, it made some. Uh, it caused them to respond appropriately. 
sometimes they didn't respond appropriately. And here we see it in, 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 John, in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. And Jesus says at least, at least four significant things. And we're going to look at these four things this morning uh, and uh, to, to think about them for just a little while. Because, uh, you know, some of them changed their perspectives, but some of them didn't. And the first one is this. First, he says, the time has come. The time has come, and these people are waiting for the Messiah, right? They're waiting for the Messiah. They're waiting for deliverance and freedom from their political and social captors, the Romans. They're waiting for this, and they thought the bondage that they were in was simply politically, political and social, but they were mistaken. They understood some of the spiritual overtones with it, but... But they had lost so much with the Greeks when they, when they, uh, when they uh, took over the land and took over the area. And then, and then you see the Romans come through. They roll through and, and take over. But some of them realized that their sin as a nation had brought them to that, this place. They realized it. Many of them did. Probably some didn't, but many of them understood that. And sure, the bondage they were in included the choices of a lot of people. It included the sin of even God's people, but they, but they may not have been looking at their own personal responsibility. I think many times they were just looking at themselves as a nation, and so for them, here, here's the Messiah to set up and to free, uh, free them from others' op- oppression. They have these guys who are oppressing them, but it, they, they weren't concerned about their own obsession about their own sin and about their own lifestyles. It's so easy to look at others and say to ourselves, they just don't get it. It's easy to do that, isn't it? Uh, and, uh, and we have to be careful with that. Maybe, maybe they had went off the rails in their life, and it, it, could have been, uh, it could have been addiction. Maybe you faced out yourself. It could have been that. It could have been the lust for money, and the local loan shark owns you now. I don't know. With all the games that are going on, that's one of the things I, I just despise about some of the uh, football and those things now is the way they just uh, throw out the, uh, the gambling and stuff and just, it destroys people's lives. And it, it can be easy to see how others don't understand why they are in their situation. It can be, uh, it, it, but it is not always easy to be able to recognize our own situation. Are you willing to be honest to God about where you are right now? When you are, when you come to that place, you give God the chance to work in your life. And God even gave Judas an opportunity. Judas is scary. We know that God gave him that opportunity, and he took it for a short bit, right? He was a, he's a disciple. Uh, I don't mean taking the money, but he had the money, right? But at some point, he went awry there, and he, and he walked away in his heart. See, that's the thing is it happens in the heart first. It doesn't happen on the outside. It happens on the heart first. And when we start walking in the heart, then something happens in our lives, and everything else follows. And sure, we know God, God knew that Judas Iscariot would walk. We know that because Scripture tells us that. 
But, but, but even then, people like Zacchaeus, this, this little guy, this little man, uh, in, in Luke chapter 19, we find him in the Gospels. and He climbs a tree to see Jesus because he's interested in the kingdom of God, right? He wants to know, hey, what's the deal here? And, and so he was the chief tax collector, not just an, uh, another tax collector, but he's one of the lead guys. And, and so he had the nice office, right? But so, so he was seen as the chief trader in some sense. And, but Zac, he gave Zacchaeus an opportunity. Jesus gives him an opportunity. And, and he offered to sit down to have a meal with him. What happened in that situation? Well, we see it here in Luke 19. We see what the scripture goes on to say there. It says in 19 verse 8, it says this, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And he's not just saying, well, if I did, you know, we know he says that, but he knows in his heart what, is, what he's done and what he hasn't done. And he said, I will pay back four times the amount. And then in verse 9 it says this, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That's why Jesus came, to seek and save. See that, that man, that, that, that guy that day, Zacchaeus, he put his faith in Christ and he put his faith in Christ and it saved him, it changed his life. What happened to Zacchaeus? Now, now that time the, you see the kingdom of God, Jesus is dealing with it and he had met Jesus face to face, and Zacchaeus responded to him, and he, and he says to Jesus, I am done. Isn't that what he said? He, he said, I, I'm done. Jesus, everything I have is yours. Every, every, uh, everyone I've ripped off, I'm paying them back plus more. I'm going to give them more than what I took from them, and you know, you, you may have, a, I don't know about you in your life, but may, maybe you have served Jesus for a while, and, and, or you may have been around Jesus for a while, but are you willing to say, I'm done? But I think that Zacchaeus did something else besides that. He didn't just simply say, I'm done. He didn't just say that. He, he said, uh, he said uh, because that's not enough. He said, I won't live that way anymore. That's what he was saying. Because Jesus met him and he sees the kingdom of God himself. And he said, I will not. I am making a choice to not walk that direction anymore. There was something in his life when he met the kingdom of God. But sometimes what happens is people uh, fa uh, meet the kingdom of God face to face. They meet Jesus face to face in so many words. And they're like, well, I'm not going to try to do that anymore. If I get a chance, maybe, possibly. But here he's saying, I, I won't live like that anymore. And before this, over in, in the book of Luke, chapter 4, we find Jesus letting... God's people know the time has come. And in Luke 4, verse 17, 
uh, he says this, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. See, he's actually, he's, he's in a synagogue at this point, and they handed Jesus a scroll. It was pretty common for them to do that for a visiting rabbi or, or a, a somebody that was visiting. They said, hey, would you like to read today and, and share, share a few things? And so uh, it's scripture, he goes on to say, unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, which is Isaiah 61, and he says in verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has, set me, uh, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. Now, we understand, a lot of us, I'm the one standing, you're the one sitting, right? But it was usually the opposite way in, the, in a synagogue at that time. The speaker was sitting and the people were standing. And so Jesus sets down to teach and he goes on to say, it says that the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying uh, to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is saying what Isaiah prophesied is now fulfilled. Friends, the kingdom is here. The time has come. The second part of what Jesus said over there in Mark chapter 1 verse 15 uh, is the kingdom of God has come near. You see it there. And not only has the, the Savior or Deliverer arrived, but now the kingdom is near them. And they have never been so close as before as they are now. And right before Jesus stepped up to the, establish his ministry, you have John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, he's the forerunner of Jesus. And he's saying, make way for the Lord. He's like, let's, let's make way. Let's, let's put a highway down so the Lord can come in and do what he's got to do. And so this forerunner, this guy was on the edge, right? He, he's, he's the wild man, right? He, he, wears a, he wears some pretty wild clothes and, and he eats some pretty interesting things. Some people think he ate bugs, locusts, probably a locust bean off the tree. But one way or the other, you got to pick off a locust bean, you got to eat that thing, and then you go on preaching. I guess that's what he did. He was one interesting fellow. He was bold. Because it was a time which required boldness. It was a time that needed boldness. He told God's people, including the religious people who were trying to follow uh, God's law of the day, they needed to repent and get themselves ready. He's, he, he's, he's making a statement, trying to help them and to guide them down the right pathway. And now Jesus uh, says, the time has come and the kingdom of God has come near. If you haven't listened yet, you better now is what he's saying. For some, they're, they're simply thinking this guy is going to set up a new party and maybe work inside. Maybe he's going to do something like that. Remember, they're in a political, social setting, but also there's a, there's a sin element, and the sin element is the big thing. And, and, but these guys were wrong if they thought that that's what was going to help everything. Jesus had arrived and he is setting things in motion for the kingdom of God. He, he wasn't for any party. 
the Sadducees or the Pharisees or the Essenes or, or the, the, the different ones and, uh, or the Zealots. He wasn't necessarily for them. And he, he has arrived with God's kingdom, yet God's rule, is, uh, God's rule in, uh, it's not man's kingdom. God's rule is not man's kingdom. His kingdom is near, so we need to be able to reach out for it. Don't settle or substitute. You know, it's so easy to try to settle for a substitute in the world we live in. It doesn't matter. You know, say you like your, maybe you have your favorite cookies, your favorite name brand cookies, and we'll say it's Oreos. And so you go to the store and you say, you know what, I got to get me a bag of Oreos. And so you go to the store, you pick up that bag of Oreos, and you look and say, well, the price on that's a little high. Let me look at this other bag of, of, of uh, kind of like Oreos, right? They're like the substitute. And so you, you get them and you say, well, the, the colors are right on the outside. It shows the same cookie on the inside. And, and you pull it out and you, it's like, well, you know, that's a, a few misspelled words, but who cares? That'll be okay. And, and so you bring it home and then you get to your house and you open up your refrigerator and you pull out the, the thing of milk and you pour yourself a glass of milk and you're ready. And there is your, there is your fake Oreos and you, you pull them out and you open them up and the next thing you need so you notice is, is some half brown cookies with like a beige center and you're looking at that and kind of like, that is gross. That, well, that, that was your substitute, right? I mean, that's just, and that, well, that's what we get when we settle for a substitute. The same thing happens when we settle for a spiritual substitute. We need the kingdom of God through Christ, but we settle for our own little kingdom we make on our own. That is so easy to do in the world that we live in with all of our brands and everybody's got to have a brand, this, that, and the other. But the same thing happens when we do it for ourselves and we need, to, we need the kingdom of God through Christ. Then we get others to say, oh, hey, that's a good idea. Hey, we, we set up something for ourselves. And we said that, everybody said, oh, that's a good idea, right? The only, the only path it leads us toward is, toward is to destruction. So Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God will take us in the right direction. When we're willing to follow him, there, there are a couple other things we find here in, in what Jesus said about the kingdom of God. He actually speaks of our our response to the kingdom. I think that's pretty important for us as followers of Jesus is to recognize what our response needs to be and what it should be. And the third thing here is this. Jesus told them in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he said to repent and believe the good news. So this wasn't something totally new to the, to the people that Jesus was speaking to to tell them to repent, right? That's what, that's what, the, uh, uh, that's what John the Baptist did. He told them to repent. And, and so, so do you, you want to know what the Greek word means here. And I think that's important for us because we don't always pay attention. Uh, if you don't go into the commentary, you don't always see what, it, what the actual original language was. And so here we find that this word repent actually comes from a Greek word. It's a metanoeo, and it means to think differently. That is to reconsider your thinking or your actions. It's got to rethink things or to feel regret 
or as they translated it in, into English, is to repent. We've got to change our thinking, change our views of things, and even have some regret maybe from the way we have lived in the past. And that, that's a significant thing for us. In other words, when we are faced with the reality of the kingdom of God, it should cause us to think in a different way. But thinking's not enough. Because thinking should affect our lives, right? It, it should bring us to a place where we reconsider how we view life and, and live it out. It should bring us to a place where we regret how we thought and lived in the past. Not that we should always live in regret, I understand, right? Uh, but, but we should for those things when we went uh, away from the Lord. When we come face to face with the kingdom of God, especially in Christ Jesus, it will force us to make a decision. And that's the way it, it, it was with Saul. Before he came, the Apostle Paul, he, he had persecuted the Christians. We see that. And, and Jesus revealed himself to Saul on the Damascus Road, and he was blinded. He had the opportunity uh, to say yes, to follow Jesus. Or he could have said, uh, stayed in his blindness. He really had that opportunity. But he said yes. But some choose to stay in their blindness. You know, in fact, we see it over in Acts chapter 13, uh, we don't know the end of the story, but in Acts 13, verse 8, it says this. Uh, it says, Paul, well, first of all, Paul faces this evil guy, and, and, uh, and Acts says this about it in verse 8. He says, but Eliamus, the sorcerer, for that's what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. There's this leader, and, and Eliamus is trying to get him to turn away from Jesus, and then, then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Eliamus and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Then he says this word in verse 11. He says, Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind for a time not even able to see the, sun, the light of the sun. And immediately a mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. I don't know why God chose to do it that way, but listen, the Apostle Paul knew what this was like himself, didn't he? If you know what the book of Acts tells us in, uh, about his situation in Damascus. Because he was spiritually blinded himself. Saul was. But God blinded him temporarily. The Lord healed him. He used Ananias. And now God was giving Eliamus the opportunity to repent and change his thinking as well. He's like, front and center, man. Front and center, you've you got to make a change. You've got, you got to allow me to work in your life. And, and he's giving him that opportunity. And if you look at the scripture there in verse 11, it says, blind for a time. And he, he's making him stop and think a little bit. Are, I guess the question we have to ask ourselves, are you taking God's opportunity to change your thinking? Are you taking that opportunity to be willing to say, Lord, I'm going to change and walk in your path now. I'm going to walk in your way. All right, let's shift gears a little bit. 
Have you ever watched Winnie the Pooh? You know, Winnie the Pooh, he's a great, you know, growing up having kids and stuff, and everybody's got to watch Winnie the Pooh. Not everybody does, but one time there's this one scene that, you know, it's Winnie the Pooh climbs a tree. And so what we find about Winnie the Pooh is that he's out there, he's in his house, right? And all of a sudden there's a bee that flies through his room comes into the apartment, and, and, and he flies out the window, and so Pooh Bear, he climbs out the window, and he's chasing this bee down. You know, where there ever's a bee, there's got to be honey. And so he sees this bee, and he, climbed, and he flies up, and he flies into this very, very tall tree, and there's a hole where a branch used to be, and so the bees have honey in there, I guess. And so Winnie the Pooh, he's decided, hey, not thinking anything about it, right? Just kind of, he's kind of like us at times, right? And we're not thinking about it. We're just, we just see the shiny object. We see the honey. And, and, and so and he, as he climbs up and he climbs and he climbs and he climbs and he gets on this one branch. And this one branch is pretty weak. He, he's just too big for that branch to hold him in. And he takes it, and the branch bends over, and he's getting closer, and he's reaching for the honey. And he's, I'd have showed you the video, but, you know, anyway. So he's reaching for the honey, and, and finally he reaches over, and he falls. And he misses the honey, and he falls on his head on one of the branches. And then he falls a little further, and, and he lands on his bottom. And then he falls a little further, and he lands on his stomach. Then he falls into a bush at the base of the tree. There he is. Poor, poor Winnie the Pooh. No honey, oh bother, as he says. So he sets down to think of another plan of action. We do the same thing. Uh, we sit down after our, our fall and have to, to think through what we're going to do. But this, this time we need to let God have his way. We need to let him have his way, and, and we need to repent to change our thinking about the kingdom of God. And see, that sometimes people think that's a one-time thing, but really that's, that's something that happens in our lives over and over as we follow Jesus. He's always and continually working in our lives. And, and when this happens, there is something else which should happen, and we should see it here for the final part of what Jesus is saying. Uh, the fourth thing is this. Jesus told us in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he says, Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe. We, we've already looked at Jesus' direction to repent. So now we look at how he said to believe. And to, to believe is a choice. It is, it's a choice that we make. And the, the Greek phrase uh, that is used, that uses two words that's translated into our English as believe, uh, but the Greek phrase in, is in pistu, uh, pistuo, and it means, it means to have faith with uh, respect to the good news in relationship, to entrust, to believe, to commit to trust, to, to, to put in trust with the good news. So it's, it's about putting your faith or believing in this good news that Jesus provides. And Jesus is telling everyone to have faith and believe in this good news. And if you put them together, he's saying you need to think differently than you have been. You need to reconsider all your views about the kingdom of God, and you need to believe the truth which I'm bringing to you. It's a challenge to each and every one of us as followers of Jesus. It comes down to this. Are you willing to believe and accept what Jesus said, which was confirmed by his miracles? Uh, some may say, well, Jesus didn't even exist. Friends, 
I'm sorry, but if you know anything about literature and anything about proper and true history, uh, that is just simply not true. There's enough unbiased historical information to prove Jesus lived when the Bible says he does. And so uh, whatever conclusion you come, about, come to about him, we know he existed and he still exists. But the question is, are you willing to believe and accept what Jesus said, which was confirmed through his miracles? Yes, it's a step of faith. It is a step of faith, and there is no question about that. And much like believing what your mechanic told you when he said you need to replace your tire because there's a big bubble on the inside of your tire. You can't see it from the outside. Have you ever been there before? You, and you say, well, I got this noise in my car. And all of a sudden, you look at the tires from the outside. They look fine. And then you look under the vehicle, and there's this big bubble. You're like, oh, no. And it's kind of the way it is. The, the, you know, the difference between that tire and believing and putting your faith in the gospel is that one's going to affect your eternity. The other may just simply put you on the side of the road for a while and you call AAA or your cousin Bubba. As we wrap this up, when Jesus spoke to a man who was well-versed in the Bible, his name was Nicodemus, and he said these words to, to John and, uh, or John, in John chapter 3, verse 3, he said, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. The facts are the facts. See, God's reign has invaded the world through Jesus and his ministry. So people need faith in Jesus. They need faith in Jesus to enter the kingdom of God. They need that faith. And if you want to be part of what God is doing and what he is uh, going to do, it will start with faith in Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. It's going to start there. Are you going to be like Zacchaeus who is saying, I won't live that way anymore. I'm not going that direction. I'm turning my life over to Christ fully. See, we understand that this is the day. Today is the day whether you're here in this place or whether you're online with us, today is the day. This is it. No more playing games. No, no, but yeah, sure, there's lots of games that go on, but they don't, they're not eternal. No more, maybe after I get through this thing or after I get through this addiction or, or not today, let it be your choice. Today is the day, Lord. I'm going to follow you and I'm going to walk your direction. I'm not walking any other direction. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father God, we look to you this morning and we recognize that you are calling us close to yourself. We recognize the fact that you love us so much that you sent your son Jesus to give his life on that cross to pay for our sin we thank you that even though he died on that cross and was buried you rose him from the grave father and we thank you that he is seated at your right hand even today as we speak praying and interceding for us 
Father God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us in this place and online, that Father, that we would make this decision to say, I am not walking the same direction I was before. I am choosing to follow Christ with all of my life. If that's you here this morning, just between you, me, and God, just lift your hand and say, that's me this morning. I am choosing. I will not live that way anymore. And I see your hands. Father, I, and for those online as well, just raise your hand before God. I can't see you, but He sees you. Father, I pray for each of these that have said, I'm not living that way anymore. I'm turning your direction and I'm going to follow you. Father, that you would give them the strength of your Holy Spirit. Father, we know what your word tells us that you seal us with the Holy Spirit of promise when we put, when we yield ourselves to you and we and we trust you in faith that you seal us with the Holy Spirit of promise. You, you put him inside of our lives and help us to be able to live the life you've called us to live. Father God, I pray that you would do your work in each and every one of these that lifted their hands. Just say that simple prayer with me. Jesus, I repent. And I believe and I trust in what you've done for me. Amen. Amen. Friends, today is the day. The kingdom of God is here in Christ. He has offered to us another chance, but more than just a chance, an opportunity to serve him with all of our lives. And for that, we can celebrate.